This is Calgary Canvas, illustrating two views on city issues. My name is Sarah Green. And I'm Dan Kapkin. In this episode, Paranormal Perspectives. Join us as we delve into a highly controversial question that people have yet to fully answer. This question has been around for centuries and will probably continue to haunt people into the future. In the next 20 minutes, we'll be hearing from two experts on whether or not the paranormal world exists. Up first is Holly Goddard, a paranormal investigator who claims she has been involved with the paranormal world since she was a baby. That's why I asked her to take me to St. Mary's Cemetery one snowy afternoon. The cemetery was deserted. It was just the two of us. Or so I hope. This is what she has to say. So today I'm using my voice recorder and my digital camera. And I'm going to grab some batteries. Okay, we're at St. Mary's Cemetery. Right now on the west side of it, on a little on a little stretch, the road kind of goes all the way around this section of the cemetery. And this particular section, I have had some very strange experiences. I don't know what it is about this particular section, but if there's going to be something going on, this would be a good place to start. There's something here that I don't know what it is, Uh, I don't particularly care for it. It doesn't make me feel very good. Um, It actually makes me kind of nervous. But if I'm looking for any kind of data, audio or visual, this is the stretch I'm going to come to. On your website, it said that you had your first paranormal experience when you were two years old. And you can still remember that, I'm presuming. So can you explain what happened and how that affected the rest of your life? (laughs) I remember that like it was yesterday. Okay, so we lived in a little A-frame house. And every night I would get up and I would go sit in the living room. And my dad would be sleeping and my mom would be passed out on the couch sleeping. And we had these two paintings. And one was a, a little elf girl and one was a little elf boy. I would go and sit in the living room and these little elves would jump out of the painting. And they would come into the living room room yep mm -hmm. room they would dance around and jump around and make me laugh and I would laugh and laugh and laugh until my dad came out and he would say what are you doing up and as he's making his way to the living room the little elves would jump back into the painting so that they wouldn't get caught he would scoop me up and take me back to bed. Now, I'm sure that, I mean, there it's a painting, right? Like, <laughs> that's not, but when you're two, what do you know? On your website, it mentioned disembodied sounds and physical manifestations. So I personally don't know what those terms mean. So can you inform me and the audience what that looks like? Sure. A disembodied sound is a sound that you hear with your with your physical ears, but you don't actually see the source so for example you and I there's nobody here in the cemetery right now just us so if we were to step outside and somebody said to you hey Sarah how's it going you would turn to that sound and there'd be nobody there that is a disembodied sound a physical manifestation would be seeing a ghost And this was the 
this is the woman that I dreamed about. But it didn't come as Mary Estelle, it was Estelle Trainer. I don't know anybody by that name. So, wipe the snow off. Uh, Mary Estelle Trainer died April 15th, 1922, aged 58 years. And so after that experience you had when you were two, um, how long did it really take you to like, become inspired to get more involved or seek out more things within the paranormal world? I've dealt with that my whole life. So I would go to people that I thought might listen to me and I would tell them what was going on and what I was experiencing. But when I was growing up, you just didn't, you didn't talk about things like that. You didn't, you just kept it quiet, right? Because there wasn't a lot of support and understanding or anything like what we have now with our kids now. But yeah, I've been involved in that sense because of my experiences for my whole life. And do you see it more as a, a, a burden or a gift? <laughs> I see it as a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it can be a right royal pain in the butt because I can hear things not see so much but I do hear and it can be a little bit nerve-wracking when I'm trying to separate if somebody is actually physically talking to me or if somebody from a different realm or perspective or whatever you want to call it if somebody if somebody different is talking to me it can be really aggravating because you know if I'm busy working I, I don't want to be listening to somebody talk to me when I'm trying to focus on doing my job on the other hand it can be a really good thing because it can help me identify what problems may be going on um, and it's really helpful when I'm dealing with clients. I'm just kind of tuning in so if I go really quiet I'm not ignoring you I'm just trying to tune in. Did you hear that? That thump? I'm not sure if that was your your gear shift or if that was... Let me check and make sure it wasn't snow falling off the flap. Nope. This is probably not such a good idea. But we'll just do it anyway. Okay, so I'm rolling down my window. I don't know if you remember me, but I sure remember you. I'm here. I had a really, really strong feeling you wanted to push the car. So you know what? Go ahead and do that. Come say hi while you're at it. Don't be afraid. It's okay. You can push the car. I know you can. Want me to put it in neutral? Make it easier? This is the kind of moment where after I've made the invitation, I always have that little thing in my head that says, if the car actually goes forward, I am just going to shit. What sort of evidence do you have that paranormal forces exist? Or what would you tell someone who doesn't believe in the paranormal world? If you could say one thing. I have audio evidence I have video evidence that there is something different that there's something and as for not believing great whatever floats your boat I don't have a problem with people not believing because those those kind of people I love working with them because they are the ones that challenge us as a team to work harder to find that incontrovertible proof that you can cannot deny. There is just no way to deny it. Great. So you have photos, you have audio footage. 
why do you think that people are still so hung up on the idea of the day-to-day -day and they never really look beyond that? When anything challenges you to question what you believe absolutely to be true, that can be really scary. Because if you're taught to believe a certain thing, if you're taught that one thing your whole life, and then you find out that maybe that's not quite correct, or maybe it's outright wrong, then you start questioning everything. I mean, to me, it's perfectly normal. It doesn't... Why would you think it's not? I mean, we can't be the only ones alive. We just can't be. There's just too much other stuff going on to suggest that we aren't all there is. Thank you, everybody. Be safe. Till next time. That was Holly Goddard, founder of Wolf Paranormal Investigations, on her connection with the paranormal world. You're listening to Calgary Canvas, illustrating two views on city issues. I'm Dan Kafkin. And I'm Sarah Green. In this episode, Paranormal Perspectives. Join us as we continue to delve into a highly controversial question that people have yet to fully answer. Up next, we will hear from Chris Sears, someone who doesn't spend his time chatting with ghosts. Instead, he teaches psychology at the University of Calgary. His scientific point of view aligns with the other side of the debate. From a psychologist's point of view, does it make sense for you to hear people believing in this? And like uh, the paranormal and uh, the abnormal psychology? Well, it depends what you mean by the paranormal. So, so you give me an example. Well, like for example, like... That there's like we're not we're not alone or like you know there's spirits around us that kind of thing. Um, it makes sense because I mean again this is the the subject matter of anomalistic psychology. Yeah, no, yeah, me and, and that's really what they do. They they look and they try to understand well why do certain people have these types of beliefs and why do other people not have those beliefs and what did it what is it that makes it different. And how much of society and social cultural influences are involved? Why it, it's interesting from a psychological phenomenon, absolutely. Because if you if if there's something that can be absolutely discredited, like for instance, the ten, you only lose ten percent of the brain, or various other myths like that, if people still hold on to those beliefs, then it it says something about the person. Of course, it, they may have other reasons to want to believe that they can communicate with dead spirits. So. There's a psychological comfort in that, perhaps. And, and, of course, people like John Edwards and people who make a living uh, with these performances fooling people uh, to believe that they can communicate with, with dead spirits. And, um, they prey on that. They prey on that vulnerability. So how would, you prove, how would you prove these people are wrong? You can really never prove them wrong, per se, because the onus is on them to prove that they're right. So they're the one making the claim, right? Right. So if I say to you, I can, I can uh, move objects with my mind. It's really not up to me. To, it's not up for you to prove me that I'm wrong. It's up to me it, it, to prove that I'm right. So, it's, in a sense, I'm making the claim. So I have to come up with the evidence. So if I say, well, I can, uh, I can outplay Michael Jordan in a basketball game, uh, and then you say, no, you can't, and I say, well, prove me wrong. Uh, you, no one would accept that argument, right? right? Until you, I, and if I said, well, until you prove me wrong, you have to accept that I'm right, you would just laugh in my face. And the same goes with the paranormal. It's, you can't prove these people are wrong. Um, it's up to them to prove they're right. They're the ones making the claim. 
Have you yourself had any, you know, experience with paranormal activity? Yeah, I think so. When I was a kid, I remember, uh, and I think this is very common, and it's a very common experience, and I think it's one of the sources of what phenomenalistic psychology studies is these psychological experiences that people can interpret in different ways. So I remember visiting my uncle. He lived in New Brunswick, and he bought this really creepy house, and, uh, it had a dirt basement, and I remember walking to the other side of the room and having this intense feeling that someone was watching me. There's someone else down there, and not that they were going to jump out at me, but someone was watching me. And I was probably around twelve or thirteen at the time, and I still remember it to this day. And yeah, it's it. People have experiences like that all the time. How I interpret that now was that that was just I mean, it was fright, and it was an un, it was an unusual situation, and you know maybe we watched too many scary movies, but someone else might interpret that as a genuine paranormal event, that there was actually a ghost there watching me. And you can imagine how, over time, your memory would change, where you might actually start remembering it differently. Well, I saw a ghost, or I heard something, and these kind of experiences are not unusual at all. And that's actually part of the data, the source of the, the data of phenomenalistic psychology, is those raw experiences. And people in various cultures do experience different things. Like another uh, common phenomenon is what's called sleep paralysis, where you you wake up, but your body's still asleep. And people can have uh, various reactions to sleep paralysis. They can feel like there's somebody else in the room. They can have night terrors. Uh, it can be a very disturbing feeling to some people. And it's been, it's been um, thought that that's related to experiences of UFO abductions and alien visitations and, and these kind of things. And this has been going on throughout history. Of course, various mental illnesses like schizophrenia, people will hear voices, and it's not all or none. People can hear voices. Like he, they can be sleeping, and you can wake up and be sure, certain that you heard someone shouting. And it was probably part of your dream, part of your mental state. There was really no one shouting uh, at all, but it, it's, it, it can be... It can be a really uh, jarring experience, and how a person explains that uh, differs. What's your take on the whole thing? Do you believe any of it is real? No, I don't think there's ghosts uh, at all. I don't think there's any life after death. Um, part of me is the that's the the, the the physicist part of me talking about and what I know of the neurophysiology of the brain. That essentially, when your brain stops working, that you stop working. I mean, every night you go to sleep, and you, you you essentially there's a period of time between when you're awake and when you start dreaming where you're essentially dead, uh, and that's a this at that point in time that interval your consciousness is no longer being generated, brain's not generating your consciousness when you're sleeping. So it tells us that our consciousness is really intimately tied to the brain. If you have brain damage, or if you take drugs, anything that affects your brain. It affects your, your consciousness, it can affect your personality, it can affect your intelligence, it can affect everything about you. And so that suggests that who we are and our psychology and, and, and our identity is very much tied to the brain. And so then if the brain is destroyed, then there's no way for consciousness or for you to be generated anymore. And so for that reason, I don't believe in life after death. So no, I don't, that's the reason I don't believe in ghosts, because I can't, I can't understand and there's no way in current, our current scientific understanding that a consciousness or a ghost could exist apart from a body. 
That was Chris Sears, a psychologist from the University of Calgary, and his perspective on the paranormal debate. Well, that's all we have for now. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Calgary Canvas, Paranormal Perspectives. Special thanks to Holly Goddard and Chris Sears for being featured on today's episode. And thanks to Ricardo Andres Garcias for the theme music. Don't forget to check out other episodes on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Calgary Canvas. Calgary Canvas.